Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion, Carl Banks. So glad you can join us. Banksy, here we are again. You know, the draft yeah. is on its way here. Uh, you got the social media experts all uh, chiming in on things. Um, and I know that uh, it's an exciting time if you're a Giants fan because they did address a lot of cool needs in free agency. They did. And I have thoughts, Bob. Um, I know you do. And it's, you know, I, I'm sitting, I was actually in L.A. Uh, talking to a friend. And the thought occurred to me that with everything that's going on that's positive with this giant team the existing players some have to take the next step others are at a crossroads slash inflection point um and others just got to improve and i thought about it and i thought three key players in this giant organization uh have to take the next step in terms of leadership, in terms of uh, skill set, and in terms of availability. And someone had posted a picture of Evan Neal, which I was so happy to see that he's working with Willie Anderson. And I said, that's great. But let's not confuse a picture of a new stance with an improved football player, right? And I said, what would be great if he could spend a week, I said two weeks, but a week would do it. And he could take Willie Anderson with him, go to LA, spend a week with Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau, invite Aziz Ojolari. Evan Neal, invite Matt Pert. Now, why why these guys? Because, first of all, Kayvon Thibodeau is an animal in terms of working out. Um, he's going to be ready to go because he puts the work in. How does that benefit a guy like Evan Neal? Well, Evan, there's questions about a lot of things when it comes to you. Mainly we want to know about, are you going to be the guy that is the bookend for Andrew Thomas? For everything that this team has done offensively in terms of getting the quarterback weapons, they don't mean a damn thing if you can't block. If you can't get them blocked, it means nothing, right? I said Kayvon Thibodeau for two reasons. One, he's at that point now to where he is, even in his second year, ready to assume a leadership position within this defense. He's mature. He's a hard worker. He leads by example. That example can be set by saying, hey, big fella, Let's get some work. I hear you working with Willie Anderson. Iron iron sharpens iron. Come, let's get some field work, right? 
let's test what you've been doing. Let's not do the Ben Simmons thing, right? Where we post something on social and then you show up and nothing looks different, right? Um, and I'm not saying that that's the case with Evan Neal, but there are a lot of questions. People have questions. I have questions. Coaches have questions. What you put on tape, right? I want you to feel the rush of Hassan Riddick this offseason, not when you play him. There's very limited time to get this work in and to really work and hone the technique and the fundamentals when you're in season. Training camp is a lot going on. If And I use this basketball analogy. If it's free throws that you got to get better at, then you should be working on free throws. You can specialize in free throws this time of year. You can shoot as many as you want. You go work with one of your teammates, right? And this is not uncommon, uh, but iron shopping's iron. Why Aziz Ojolari? Hmm. I said- Giants need Aziz to be Aziz from two years ago. Aziz wakes up in the morning. I say it all the time. He can get out of bed rushing the passer but he ain't available as much as they need him is if, if this defense and the other part is I want some of what Kayvon Thibodeau does in terms of his work ethic to rub off on Aziz Ojolari. I'm not accusing the kid of not being a hard worker, but there's different types of work and there's different types of mindset as you do the work. Being in that environment, Together, those guys can really get each other better. Kayvon, who's on the 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 right on the precipice of being a leader, this is the next step for him because all the other things he does right. Well, I mean, let, yeah, listen, when the giant after Andrew Thomas's rookie season, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of pundits out there that said the Giants of the offensive linemen that that were still on the board that they could have picked the, that were on the board that the giants took the worst one. And, and the way it's turned out is they took the best one. Yeah. My, uh, my good friend, Lewis Riddick was very vocal about that saying what a big mistake Andrew Thomas was. And yeah, he ended up being the best one, but he worked at it. So um, I, I don't I, I guess I don't under, understand the Evan Neal overreaction by fans out there. Because the, because well, here's the thing, and we'll get into that on the latter half of this, because Giant fans are triggered because of the trauma that they've gone through. You had Eric Flowers. <laughs> Ooh, forgot Eric about Flowers, that. Right? Looked apart, supposed to be very athletic, had zero uh, compatibility with the projection and the actual execution of his abilities. There was no compatibility and it showed up every week. So when you have a guy like that, that you had to suffer through every top draft choice, that is what's ingrained in your head at that position. I didn't think I forgot. He was even, I forgot. I, mean, I, this for, is, listen, I blocked that all out. I, I, I sympathize in a lot of areas with giants fans. Now I can get on their case a lot about a lot of things, but there's some trauma that at that position for years 
that they had to endure. And that's that's why they don't know until they know. And I think for Evan Neal, he's got it, but but he is at a crossroads too. As a young player, you either take the next step or you just continue to get better, but never really get to where you need to go. And the best way to do that is to be able to spend that time working on the technique. You got a new technique you're trying out, try it out on some guys this offseason in a controlled environment where you can talk through it. Okay, what did I do wrong, right? What did I do right? And Aziz Ojolari can give him Hassan Reddick speed. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau can give him a complete bag of, 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 of different pass rush moves. That's what he should be working on as he's working out his new technique. Matt Pert, you're along for the ride, but you need to take the step. Aziz Ojolari, you need to work out with Kayvon Thibodeau. Not just field work, but you need to work out, develop a mentality because I said it, he and his body have to get a contract and they've got to make an agreement. Because he could be a game changer for this defense if him and his body can get on the same page. They're not. You know, uh, he gets nicked and he's gone for a while. And that's, you know, far be it for me to talk about what a pair's, player's pain threshold is or what he's being diagnosed with uh, from trainers. But I can tell you, availability is health. And it is mentality, right? He's got to develop it. He's got to develop it for the sake of his teammates on that defense because uh, you cannot have a de- – you can't feel the defense that was as bad as the Giants were this past season and expect the success that they have, you know, from, you know, from 20 yards in. You got to be good all over the field. You got to be able to impact the game all over the field. And he allows them to do that. Um, so I think those guys should work together. And it's 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 good run. It's good to know what your teammates are doing outside of the building, how they're working out. You can bring something, they can bring something. And you know, I don't want to sound like the old school guy because I I think modern players do it. They have these Patra summits and all of this stuff. But it was nothing for, you know, Pepper to say, come to Detroit, let's work on some stuff, you know, or OJ Anderson saying, hey, we're going to go out into the, we could, we had access to the Giants practice field. This is when we could just enter in and work out before uh, collective bargaining. It'll be OJ Anderson and Dave Meggett. And um, some, if Mark was in town, he'd do it. But Howard Cross, we're going to work on our pass coverage. Let's go work on some stuff, right? And it would be myself. It would be Pepper, Megan. It'd be some other linebackers. Just we got our best route runners and Tony Galbraith. And we just go out and just work on our trail technique, all of our, all of that stuff, just getting field work in, right? Um, and well, then that would be William Roberts and Eric Moore. Come on, let's work on some pass rush stuff, right? Controlled but we're working stuff out, right? And then, you know, guys go to Florida. If a guy lived in Florida and he wasn't going to be in the building, 
we get some guys to go down and work out with those guys, you know, because some guys worked out differently. Um, and you want to get a taste of that. And that's what alpha leadership is about. I think that's what um, Kayvon Thibodeau is about uh, in terms of how he works out and how he prepares. And I think that can rub off on a guy like Aziz. And then just them getting the work in, you know, as young players, iron sharpens iron. Let's go, Evan. You know, Evan, we need, you know, they need you. Um, and I'm saying this in third person when I say we need you, is meaning those guys are saying to him, we need you to be the next step. We're adding pieces. We can't, we got to hit the ground running this year. Everybody's got us saying we're not going to be as good as we were last year. Um, you're not going to get better. You're soft. You know, um, let's get this work in. Those are key players. For all the acquisitions, those three slash four players, because they need a reliable guy as a backup tackle. And he's doing, and Matt Pert is doing himself a favor by getting this work in too and showing up to camp and wowing coaches. And they're like, well, what the hell did he do this offseason? Okay, we got a guy. We got a backup or we got a guy who can challenge. Or if a guy gets hurt, we have no problem sliding him in. That's good. That's, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> you brought up a lot of good points, including one of them and the fact that that's how the game has changed so much with the offseason program pushback. Mm -hmm. Players not allowed to be on the field. They have to create their own sort of extended offseason programs and even training camp when you're only practicing once a day and it's more, it's one practice a day and it's a lot of mental It's all reps, scripted. And it's all walkthroughs. I remember the yeah. one, I remember, I remember the one time you were so excited. We were at training camp. This is going back like four or five years ago. And it was like, ah, oh, they're going to do goal line. They're going to do goal line. <laughs> and you went and you stood right behind the goalpost because you were all fired up to watch live goal line. And it wasn't really live. It was a walkthrough. It was, it was like a walkthrough. And you're like, one oh. step thud, one step thud, one step thud. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, Listen, it's, it's great for the players as far as safety is concerned, but you're I'm, right. I'm all for it, but, you know, you don't get this chance, right? <laughs> and the thing is, we don't see player, especially young player improvements, probably until the midway of the year when they've seen enough and had enough reps, bad or good, to start to turn the corner. Um, you can you can cut that curve in half by getting the work in now, working on the technique. If whatever um, Will Anderson is, is working with you on, go try it out. Go try it out. And no different is basketball is the best analogy you can have because you can work on things, but you still got to see if it's going to work in the game. Right? They go play pickup basketball all summer long. You know, the guys are working on something. If they're working on their jump shot, they'll go play a pickup game and all they'll do is shoot jumpers because all the other things they do well, they're like, I got that part. I need to work on my jumper. Now I'm going to put it in competition. So when training camp starts and when the season starts, I'm comfortable shooting this shot, right? Or like I said, if it's a free throw situation um, and your percentages are low and they should be higher, then you got to work on it. You know, and I use the Ben Simmons analogy because, and I'm not 
shitting on the kid, but it, it's quite apparent when you get worse at free throws, you're not practicing free throws, right? His percentage has gone down. It's the easiest shot if you work at it, right? And all the other things, he's not a good outside shooter and he's gotten worse to the point now where the team says, never mind, you're, you're done for the year. You can't be that football player. And granted, basketball players have more access to do more things that they need to work on, but you do, you can create these controlled environments um, in football against guys that need to work like you do. And you know, I, I use the Ben Simmons analogy, but let me just go back even further because Magic Johnson and I are friends. They said he couldn't shoot, right? He spent the whole summer and I was there watching it, taking hundreds of shots, outside shots. And after that, he'd go run a pickup game. Him and Isaiah Thomas and Mark Aguirre and Herb Williams and all those guys, Doc Rivers, they run a pickup game in East Lansing, Michigan. And all he would do in that game is shoot jump shots. And then after those games were over with, he'd shoot more jump shots because he knew he could drive, you know. He had all, the, but he worked. He had the rest of it down. Yeah. He worked on the things that they said he wasn't good at, but he did it in a practice environment, somewhat controlled environment, but he put the technique in and then he worked it out. He workshopped it. That's what I'm saying needs to happen. And in terms of, like I said, I think uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is their leader. He's one of their leaders. He is moving into that alpha role uh, by example. And I think that's something that could rub off on Aziz Ojolari, and he needs to work. He has not had a lot of football work. Um, wakes up, like I said, boy can get out. He can get out of his car and rush the passer. Stop at a red light and they say, go get a sack. He can get it when he's available. But he's just not that. And that's a mind-body um, agreement. You know, I again, I don't know the nature of all of his injuries, but I think availability is a mentality too. And I think that some of that can rub off um, by working out and seeing, you know, working out with a guy like Kayvon and, and seeing how he approaches different things. And, and so that's all I got. Um, and then I like the other, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, I said, I, I like some of these other moves Joe Shane has made from a dollars and cents standpoint with these, mm -hmm. some of these one year deals, the giants, I think lead the world in slot type receivers. They got a lot of them. Aha. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about that well there's a draft coming up yeah but you know what let's just not call them slot type receivers they are receivers that will function in this spacing and angles offense correct it's just, this is how the NFL is played now if you got a Justin Jefferson God bless you because he can go get it vertically a lot of these guys, all these guys got speed to go vertical, right? Um, but when you got a lot of them and the way they call plays, and, and folks, we broke down one of the uh, Mike Kafka plays in the inside the film room. What yeah, he but... had to do to scheme some guys open was just, it was miraculous, right? Because he had to do it from week to week 
and never get game planned. Imagine if we can go back and look at the game Wondell Robinson had, the that, that game he got injured. Mm -hmm. I think he was over 100 yards receiving. He was. Couldn't cover him because they were giving him, they were creating the space in the angles, and he was catching and running. Um, everybody talks about, well, they don't have, you need a vertical threat. Yeah. All those guys can go vertical. Um, you think, uh, Slayton can't, couldn't go vertical. He was open like, a lot of times vertically, right? Yeah. Paris Campbell and, could and, go vertical and, and Paris Campbell can go vertical, but they can legislate against that. You know, safeties can legislate against that. You got to get the right look. In order to say, okay, I got my matchup, he's going to go vertical. How many times do you think they're going to let you do that? When you got four downs, you got to move the chain. You got to be able to generate six that can go for 16 or three that can go for 10. And with these types of receivers and the way they their play design, the construction of this offense, it's all about that. You know, getting guys on the move and – you got the Kansas City example. You got the Buffalo merger. And when you look at how those offenses are played, that's what they do well. Spacing and angles. I, yes, and you, they can go deep. One team has a, a Travis Kelsey. Giants have Waller now. Think he can't go deep? Right? Along with the other receivers the Campbells and the Slates, right? But how do they move the chains? They ain't doing it 30 yards in the air every down or 20 yards in the air every down. And Kansas City does not have a running game. Buffalo does not have a running game, right? But they're still manufacturing yardage with their skill position players by creating the space and angles and guys who can catch it and run with it. You know, when we look at and their their new addition, who was basically came uh, Waller came in the trade to the Giants for him. Look at Kadarius Tony. What he, what they doing with him? He ain't getting a lot of vertical routes, folks. No. A lot of angles, a lot of short stuff and run. So this is the NFL. When you look at what uh, Cincinnati does. You see Jamar Chase on a lot of crossing routes. He goes vertical, but there's a lot of crossing. He, he and the other receiver, both, they're not just, okay, we're just going to line up and go vertical and our quarterback's going to throw it. Number one, you can't protect the quarterback that long, no matter how fast your guys are. If you're trying to hit a 20-yarder, 30-yarder down the field, you can't do it every play every time you drop back to pass. So you got to have some ways to get guys open in their intermediates. And the way that this offense, the rules are set up for offenses in the NFL, you don't have enough defensive players to cover them. Not if you run the right type of offense. You just can't. Um, because if you got a one and a two corner, who's your three and your four corner? Because all they're going to do is move players around so that they can find the matchups. Right. Um, so don't worry so much about the size of the receivers. I think what Miami has two guys that are 5'10 and under, pretty good football players. 
Waddle and Tyreek. I think one's five nine, the other one's five ten or five eight. And well, they do a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, and look, the Giants added a lot of speed, which they needed. Um the tight end and Saquon Barkley are the fulcrums that everything will work off of. And they actually and have still a job opening too. Correct. There's still a job opening. Which Project I job. Gotta, I gotta get on our, our the Giants fans, man. That I'm I you know, I get the trauma. I get when they get triggered about certain things. But when did we get to the point to where Giants fans are triggered when John Mara says something? The owner who says the least of all owners, and they got so upset when he talked about this job opportunity. And yet he said, that's up to Joe Shane and Brian Dable if they could make it work and it won't be easy. Oh, why did John Mara? John Mara needs to stay out of it. That's what's wrong. Wait a minute. John Mayer stayed out of it while we watched the roster never improve. John Mara stayed out of it when, for no apparent reason, Eli Manning gets benched and his streak is ended and he was your best option, right? John Mara stayed out of it. He bit his tongue. He was in tears saying, but I'm going to respect these coaches and let them do what they do, right? So if you ask him about a player and he said the door isn't closed, but Joe Shane and Dable will have to see if it works. But for him, the door is not closed on a return if it could work out. Well, just just like he said, I want Saquon Barkley as a giant for life. But with the the, the offer hasn't improved. right? Right. So. Fans, I get when you're triggered over past trauma. John Mara, I mean, the narrative that was out there a couple years ago about John and Chris and all that, go back and look at it now and see if any of it were true, right? And then... Well, listen, there's conspiracy theorists that exist that believe things that are just... They're going to believe it until the cows come back in hindsight and look at it, doesn't All matter. They still, they still right. believe it. They still believe it. But those who are who are, who are swayed, if you just take a minute, take a tick and think about it and look at it and see if any of it adds up, right? Um, and then ask yourself, like, everybody's triggered out. Why is John Mayer opening his mouth? Well, there were some times when you probably thought he should have. Like, why is he keeping the old general manager? Why is he keeping the uh, president of player personnel when all they've done is X, Y, and Z. Why isn't John Mayer doing John Mayer's it? But he doesn't talk. And then when he finally says something, but then defers to his, the guys he, he hired to build this team. Why would you think he wants to get in the middle of that? He doesn't No, And he never has. He was asked if from an ownership standpoint, based on some of the, heavy drama that Odell brought to the plate the first time. Would you uh, sign off on bringing that back into your locker room? Now it's, he's clearly not the same player. He's clearly not the same person in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. They got the kid version of Odell. Um, 
so they were just asking, would you, would you, would you sign off on that coming back into your building? And he said, yeah, we welcome him back in, but that's up to Joe and Brian and everybody else as to whether it's financially possible. Right. Like, End of story. Listen, or schematically. No right. But there's no team. Let me just be clear. Just based on what I saw from his workout, there's no team that is not not interested. They're, every team is interested in Odell Beckham. Or that job, as I should say. Hashtag. Um, he brings you something. And again, Giant fans, I get it. You're traumatized. You're triggered by certain things that have happened. But a lot of the narrative about Odell Beckham, you get a chance to meet him. There's not a player. Now, there's, there's let me just, excuse my friends, there's shit that comes with him. Some of it is unintended. But there's not a guy in the entire National Football League who wants to win, who works every, his whole purpose and everything he does is about being the best he can be in winning football games. Maturity helps. He has, a, he's, he's got fatherhood in his life now, right? Um, but you're going to get a work ethic. That's never been the issue with him. Um, and if he comes back, and we don't know, there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested in in bringing him in at you know the what they feel is fair market value, right? And he'll probably blow that value through the roof once he gets on the field. But um, don't be triggered by the the name or by an owner who says, "Yeah, I I keep that door open because he's yeah. he's got value. He and, certainly does. You know, a lot in there. And like he he did some ill advised things, right? Like you know, the Josina Anderson thing, people didn't like it, right? Um, but he said what he thought was his truth at the time, right? Um, and it didn't, it didn't go over well, um, <laughs> clearly. But if you take a minute, and I'm looking, I'm not, I mean, he is who he is. I happen personally to be a fan because of, of, what he puts into getting where he is in terms of his ability. He's gifted, but he works his ass off. And that's good uh, because he's not the diva who doesn't work. He's the diva who does. And if they feel he's, you know, if a deal can work out, he would be an asset. Absolutely. I mean, it's it depends on how much money he wants, how much money he wants guaranteed, and how many years he wants. Because, um, I mean, at least what you know, you what you read was he was looking for more than a one year deal. He didn't want to just be a rent a player um, at this point in his career, and he wanted some stability. Conversely, my guess is teams are looking at back to back ACL surgeries two years in a row on the same day. Yeah, so do I want to sign this guy to a multi-year deal as opposed to the one year down the road and then let's kick the tires again? I don't know. And they're gonna man and he's gonna be managed um wherever he goes, just based on 
the knee history. Well, everybody and, get everybody gets managed now. Jeez, I mean, yeah. I mean, but, if you've been in the league for two and a half years and you started a bunch of games, you get maintenance day. I don't, you know, yeah. At least it's not maintenance games like the NBA. At yeah, least it's well, just maintenance days yeah, in practice. Maintenance, maintenance weeks for some of these oh. players in the NBA. Um, you had you had one more thing you wanted to get to though that I cut you off on. No, that was it, the John Mara thing. Like, oh. You know, I, I, my timeline filled up, and I was like, what the hell happened? Mara should shut up. Here we go again. I'm like, wait a minute. Dude, it's called the owners' meetings. The owners it's, speak it, at the owners' thing. meetings. It's his team, by the way. <laughs> so if you say like somebody, you can say like somebody. But he's never when, – when people thought he should step in, he didn't, and he got criticized. You know, like I said, he it hurt him to his heart that they benched Eli, and he stayed out of it. Where a lot of owners in this league would have been like, "Oh hell no!" Uh, unless he's hurt, he's playing, uh, and he's my best option. Um, or why isn't he taking a more assertive hand in some of these players that they're bringing in and it's offensive line and blah, 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 blah. So oh, just, anyway, yeah, stop with that. Do you first smarter they said, than that giants fan first, first they complained that he was meddling too much, that yeah. he was forcing coaches and GMs to keep Eli and he was meddling in areas. <clears throat> now he's turned it over to two guys. He's turned it over to his organization that he hired. He and Mr. Tish, Steve Tish hired Joe Shane. hired. uh, you know, the, this whole new staff signed off on all that. And they're letting these people do their job. Like the whole O-line thing. Uh, one thing I always, just my final thought on this. Free agency uh, is a truth serum. Because mm -hmm. you can connect players to teams and all this other stuff. But there comes a dollars and cents number. Would the Giants have liked the linebacker from the Buffalo Bills, who they certainly knew? Yeah, but not at that price. And they felt that Bobby Okereke at his price made more sense. Were there other players that the Giants probably would have liked? Sure, but not at this price. We're gonna sure. we're gonna keep it at this price. Um, and uh, listen, I was shocked that the Giants didn't pursue some of these uh, offensive linemen that were on the street, especially the interior offensive linemen. Sure, I was very surprised. So what does that do? That tells you that they believe between Izudu, um, the other kid that they drafted last year that got hurt, who was having a good camp, Zudu's teammate, um, McKitchen. Mm -hmm. They like those guys. And I, I'm guaranteeing you there's a bunch of people in the draft that play those positions that they really like. And they're like, would we like to have one of these guys on the street? Yeah, but not at a price that doesn't make sense to us because – you know, we want to extend Dexter Lawrence. We want to extend and extend Andrew Thomas. Uh, we know we got to deal with a Xavier McKinney contract at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we'll we'll go here and we'll let the draft take care of it. And then there's the whole next wave of free agency. Yes, after the I'm draft. just getting ready to say, like, folks, understand that Joe Shane and that staff, they played a long game. It's the long tail with them. Correct. It's they were, like, okay. This was they were brought in to rebuild and start. The Giants spent the better part of 10 years trying to retool 
And where did they get them? They got one playoff appearance, 2016, where they just mm-hmm. dump money. They're trying yep. to build something so that the Giants are a contending team for a big period, not a one-hit wonder. Yes, and and it's understanding the process of player acquisition. Fans, you know this. You know free agency and you know draft. You've had no visibility to Joe Shane's board or the personnel boards that they look at, okay, well, if this team drafts X player, this player is going to be available. If he's not, if he's not available on draft day, he'll be a camp cut. Like this process for them, once it started, once free agency started, it doesn't end until the trade deadline for the Giants. And that's and you can look at every move they made. Isaiah Hodgins, when did he show up? Middle of the season. There you go. So everything they do, this process does not end. Jared, Jared Davis, them. December. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't end, folks, until literally it started. The improvement in the building of this roster started with free agency. And you guys, and it's not your fault because you don't have the visibility, but just understand you've got competent people working in the front office where they look at this, the start of it was free agency. It ain't ending until the uh, free agent period. So they'll have a team and they'll continue to look to improve it, but there's always a camp cut or two or three, and there's going to be a player that, that falls into their lap. And it's like, Oh, okay. And the giants are, are, are drafting low enough so that those waiver deals, they are higher in the pecking order, right? Doesn't it go from least to first? No, the, no, the giants are now at the wrong end of that. The wrong end of it. Yeah. Okay. Last year they were at the good end of it. Yeah. So that's fine. There'll be, they'll, there's, at, there, there could be camp trades too. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be guys that are cut for salary cap reasons. Once the draft oh, is course. over. So, and then if not, then when, Somebody flashes in camp, there's going to be, like I said, camp cuts or camp trades, you know? So uh, just understand in, you know, the often used phrase, trust the process, they do have a plan. So let's Uh, use our, go ahead. No, they, Joe Shane and his, his staff, they have a plan on how they want to build. So the process doesn't end after the draft. I know you guys have your board set for, players in free agency and players in the draft, but just start to reprogram yourself to think about players that could become available after the draft players that could become available during camp after camp. And even at the trade deadline. Good stuff, Carl iron sharpens iron. Aziz. Tell a friend. I like Evan. I like the way you end it. Hurt. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Believe in Giants. Carl Banks, Bob Papa, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.